Hey, this is Reza. This is Sandy. Welcome to the Stone Cold Sober Podcast. Thanks for stopping by. everybody welcome to the 230th episode of the stone cold silver podcast it's a big big week for content yeah it really is. that way uh i guess it was really I'll, last weekend technically but you know how it goes it's the last weekend course, but sunday morning yeah i was actually gonna see how early the uh, movie theaters were open today because what i've been noticing is the theater around uh, near me, one of the larger theaters in Manhattan, has been playing Avengers like every fifteen minutes. Really? Well, like I guess every fifteen minutes. Yeah. Uh, every three hours. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. Because they couldn't play it. I mean, there's literally not enough theaters. Oh, I thought you. Um, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. But uh, what was interesting was this morning there were shows starting at seven thirty a.m. Wow. Were there, like, did you check the seats to see if they were being and sold they were, at that time? They were. The, the 730 2D show was like 40% filled. Okay. Yeah, that's a good the, That's a good time to catch that movie. I, I'm not even going to lie. Right? It's, it's a three-hour long Walking with a bagel? Yeah, with a <laughs> yeah bagel exactly. That's what you'd have to do. I'd walk in dude. with a bagel and coffee. Yeah. you got to sneak, you gotta back, sneak that bad boy in, though. Ah, um, dude, they don't give a shit. Yeah. No way. They don't care when the, I walk in The concession in with water, stand isn't never... even open at that time. I guess is it is it not? I wouldn't know the rules. No, a no. lot of things. Work. A lot of a lot of times the uh, the matinee shows don't have hmm. the concession stand open. I've never and been I to know. a super early matinee. I've been I've been to matinees at like noon, maybe like at oh, the I've earliest. done I've done eight a.m. matinees. Oh wow, yeah, no, I've never done yeah. that early. When I was in when I was in um, when I saw us in North Carolina, I saw that like at one or two, and that still counted as a matinee. Was anyone else in that theater? Yeah, but not too many. I had the whole road to myself, so. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, the first IMAX showing today at 10.30 a.m. was completely full. Wow. Yeah. And we're, and we're talking, we're talking like, like true IMAX, not Limax, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I saw it in 3D. Oh, did you? Uh, I didn't realize you saw it in 3D. Well, we didn't know until we showed up that oh. it was a 3D ticket. God damn it, Sandy. Uh, you didn't pay attention to how much you paid. Well, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't buy the ticket. Oh. Friend did. Oh, all right. Well, um, fine. No, and then we no saw Captain Marvel in 4DX. Really? 4DX is imagine a narrower theater. The screen is right in front of you, and then it bleeds off into the uh, the left and right walls. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 So it's one of those things. Anyways, um, if you haven't figured it out by now. We're going to talk about Avengers Endgame, but, and we're going to hit this, uh, spoiler alert, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're going to spoil. I might put, like, tags in, in this, in this episode, just oh, with, like, timestamps. Can you do that? Yeah, to, like, let, let people know when we switch gears, so that way, oh, if, people, okay. if you haven't seen Endgame, and you intend to see it, and you don't want it to be spoiled, then, you know. Dumbledore dies. You'll, 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 we'll, we'll. We'll have a little link, or or not a link, but like a note in the uh, in the description of today's episode with the timestamp for how far forward you need to skip. And if we end up spoiling it too far into the episode, we might just say, you know what, there is no good timestamp. Just watch the movie, then come back and listen. 
Yeah, I think that's what it. That's I think that's what it ought to be. Like, well, we're we're also planning on talking about uh, the most recent episode of Game of Thrones, which for us is episode three, um, the Long well, Night. Yep. And so we'll talk about that later. So if you haven't seen that either, definitely might just yeah. have to take might just have to take but a pass on there's, this. There's a the reason why we want to talk about these two things is because when uh when we saw the episode for game of thrones it was so hyped up as the biggest battle ever caught in media right yeah that's a that's a pretty fair statement and they said they shot over the course of like what 50 days or something i don't even remember how long it was but it was a long time 50 50 nights they shot this thing in totally it was definitely a night it's definitely definitely a long night and this idea that Oh, this, you know, climactic confrontation between the forces of good and evil, where evil is like the Golden State Warriors, where they're coasting, right? It's just four game sweeps. Yeah. While we're talking for the good guys, like that Denver-Portland game, quadruple overtime, each game's like that, barely squeaking out seven game series. So there's like no one's no one's doing well, and they got to meet up, and we were promised sort of a lot of resolution, we'll call it, of certain character arcs. Now, the reason why people were excited for that was because in the world of Game of Thrones, we've been told that plot armor doesn't exist, at least in the very beginning, right? The whole foundation of the show is that plot armor doesn't exist and that actions have consequences and it doesn't matter if you're honorable or not if uh, the power of politics swings against you that you're very much liable to die yeah that's a fair assessment yeah i think so so i want to i want to stop it right there and then sort of swing back to avengers and, and what i see the similarity there is, which is Endgame, this three-hour sort of epic movie, which, really quickly, did you like it? I did, yeah. Um, I I think, and again, this, you know, there there were definitely things that were, that I had issues with, similar to the Game of Thrones episode, but overall, I enjoyed my experience with it. Um, it's a three hour, it's a, it's a literally a three hour long movie. Um, but I honestly didn't really feel like it was three hours. Like I wasn't checking my watch like, okay, are we almost done? Cause I'm like getting a little tired of sitting here. I was just checking my watch if I ever did just to be like, oh, how long has it been? I'm just curious to see how, how much movie we've seen. Um, and with the maybe in air quotes, luxury of three hours, you can really explore a lot. Or, or, or dive into a lot more of the relationships between a lot of these different characters. Exactly. Uh, um, and, and like really, you don't have to rush things. So I, th- I felt like they were able to make jokes, make witty jokes, have like three really large arcs or not arc, uh, three really large acts of the movie and, and, appro- and appropriately invest enough time into each of those. So I would say, yeah, overall, I enjoyed the movie. The uh, I agree. Um, I thought it was a lot of great fan service, since we're 
finishing up what 23 movies worth of storylines i don't even know how many movies it's been over the course of 11 years um and so the reason why we're i think we're, we're able to compare game of thrones and marvel endgame is that both are sort of the culmination of a lot of buildup that we that the audience has been waiting for for a number of years right and yet they didn't hit uh, the same collective note once the credits started rolling, and I want to. I want to kind of want to talk about why. Now, I agree with you that the Marvel Endgame movie was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, loved every minute of it. Um, it somehow exceeded the hype, uh, which you argue is pretty, pretty much impossible nowadays. Uh, especially with a split finale. That's what, that's exactly what I was about to say. Because Infinity War was so good, and there's mm-hmm. been it's been a year since that movie, maybe a little less than a year since that movie came out. It's uh you know you really wanna you you got to hit the ground running because you were continuing right where that movie left off. And and I had actually just finished watching or doing a rewatch. Actually, my first rewatch of that movie since I'd seen Infinity War in, in theaters last year. So I'd watched it over the course of like two days because you know how i do movies um and so i was watching it on netflix and um like maybe two hours before i left for the theater to see endgame i had just finished infinity war again so i was like coming into endgame with fresh knowledge of everything that happened in infinity war and in infinity war and it really did feel like for the most part they really hit the ground running and um you know like they 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 took that movie right where where infinity war left off there you go um the emotional resonance that carries over from Infinity War into Endgame is felt pretty immediately, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, all right, spoiler alert starts now, all right, where Hawkeye's family gets dusted yep. immediately, and my friend Kate cries. That was the best. I love that cold opening. I wasn't expecting the movie to start at that exact moment, by the way. Mm-hmm. You know, normally... When you when you so we saw it in Regal and Regal does like these little mini films, if you will, after all the trailers, um, you know, just like hey, the concessions are available, get your coke and popcorn, that type of thing. Yep. And then normally after that, then you start getting like you know the, you know the the lights, I guess the lights dim at this point, and then you start getting the the various studio contributions to the movies. Yep. Um, you know, opening credits and all that other stuff, and this came right into Hawkeye standing there with his daughter shooting shooting the uh, the bow and arrow, and it's like. Wait, are we seeing a trailer right now? It's like, is this another trailer? It's like, no, no, this is the movie. And I, I got to say really quickly, because because Lena was like, oh, you're not going to remember by the time you do the podcast. There were these Ooh. fucking kids, man. There were these damn kids behind us that just wouldn't shut up the whole movie. They were talking during the, the cold opening. And I was like, you know, I'm annoyed. But at the same time, like, maybe these people just don't realize the movie's actually started yet. Right. But like throughout the movie experience, these kids are like laughing how old were the kids? I have no idea. I, I'm just wondering if you were to snap your fingers and they got dusted, would you feel bad? Ooh, no, um, <laughs> <laughs> no. If their if their road if their disappeared, wouldn't be a, wouldn't no skin off my back. Um, I I have no idea. I never I never got a look at them when the movie finished. They started leaving, but it was really diff- it's it was impossible to say like, oh, were the people that I'm seeing that are passing my road right now were those the kids who were who were really loud, or mm-hmm. were those just people who were unlucky enough to be sitting next to them? even closer to them than I was. 
granted I was sitting just one row in front of them, but there were like really emotional moments in that movie. And, you know, you're getting, you're getting, you know, you're getting touched, right? You know, you're getting a little emotional, emotional yourself. All of a sudden you have like this snickering and these people just like not even trying to, con- to conceal it, not even trying to be discreet about it. They're just like, you know, laughing more or less at the top of their lungs and, you know, being like, yo, shut up. Now nah, you're funny. Now nah, be quiet, man. Be quiet. Like, you know, shut the fuck up. Like it's yeah. literally a movie. Right. And it's, you know, you're ruining a moment for a lot of people just because everyone's been waiting for this stuff uh for this movie to come out that i think it's, it's so incredibly rude to make it about yourself in a moment like that yeah you know i paid for this movie i want to yeah i, I want to be able to hear the things that are going on i want to be able to feel the things that i'm feeling like there was another dude who who had his cell phone and he didn't like you know the way these theaters are the way this theater is is um there are walls between each row and so it's very difficult to actually see, like if you were to have your cell phone open in your lap, you might be able to see the light kind of popping up from your lap or like from somewhere in the theater, but you generally wouldn't be able to see the actual screen. But this person's like reclining his seat and he's got his cell phone like up in the air so that this screen is just behind his cell phone, I guess, so that he can look at his cell phone and look at the screen at the same time without having to move his eyes. But that because he was doing that, he was sitting like in the very front. And so because he was doing that, the whole theater could see. And at that oh, and at Jesus. that point, like he he'd done it like two or three times, and I think the last time that he'd done it, people started getting super distracted by it because all of a sudden you start hearing murmuring around the theater, and it's like uh, these people weren't like talking before. I'm pretty sure they're whispering to the person like, "Is this dude serious right now?" Yeah. Anywho, sorry about that. That that well, was my three people, minute tangent on yeah. on my on my annoyances during my experience. Well, now Elena knows that you remembered. <laughs> yeah, because she said that when I when we did the half marathon or the half when we did the five k. Um, mm-hmm. there were these kids that were being really obnoxious when they were running. And I, I think I forgot to tell you about them on the podcast. And so she's like, oh, it's going to be just like the kid, just like those kids then. You're not going to remember. Well, all right. I got it. You got it. Took care of it. You got it now. Yeah. Um, the movie starts out immediately, right, with them getting dusted. Yeah. And my friend cried. And I kind of had to hit her. I was like, keep it together we're 15 minutes into this movie <laughs> not even it was about three minutes into it that's like three minutes in the movie it's like you you gotta you're not gonna make it if if this is if this is it you know look man she wants um, to cry she's she gonna cry oh well, she you can cry you don't hit her I'm just saying that you gotta i didn't hit her yes yeah, that's what you just said that's it I, I, I did hit her that's what i said um i gotta lean into it um but the uh then what happens? You you find out uh, exactly what's going on. Um, and Thanos actually dusted everybody. Thanos actually did dust everybody. And people are do starting they just to jump find out. To, I mean, do they just jump to five years later? Um, no. At this point, um, at this point, they get dusted. Then, then so that was the end of the, the cold opening. And at this point, then you transition. I think they had like you know the 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 title card for the movie. And then you transition to Tony Stark in space with Nebula. Gotcha. All right. Right. And then uh, he gets saved. I love that uh, moment, but... too, by the way, with them playing the little football game. Oh, that was good. Yeah. That was good. Um, and then uh, gets oh. saved by Captain Marvel, right? Yeah. And I, I was when I was watching the movie, I was telling or I wasn't telling. I was thinking, how the hell did she like come across Tony Stark in all of space? Like everything that's here. 
how's it possible that she came across him? Like it was just a coincidence or something. But um, I think someone was saying that I don't even remember where I saw this. Was it like an article that I saw that I read, or was it the literally the Kevin Smith uh, podcast that we we were listening to? That I guess she went to Earth because she was more or less called or summoned by um, Samuel Jackson, Nick Fury, and she got a report from them and was like, you know, there are people who who are somewhere else, you know, Tony's in space or whatever it might have been. I'm not sure how if they knew that from Infinity War, but regardless, then from there she went and, and found Tony. I don't think it was established that she had just met them when they got when when she took him to Earth. But um yeah. The uh Yeah, there's a lot of just heavy, emotionally resonant moments, right? Uh throughout this movie. Yeah. And the points that I remember because I don't think you know, I don't. I don't really want to make our way through the, the movie. movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the moments that I remember being emotional for my friend Kate, which I think are pretty universal. You know, put her on blast right now. I'm, I'm put her on blast. Okay. Uh, Hawkeye's family snapping out of existence. Yep. Yep. Three minutes in. Uh, Iron Man and Captain Ar- uh, Captain argument and Captain America f- arguing. Mm-hmm. About 15, uh, that was like fifteen minutes. Yeah, and then Tony sort of comes back and says, "I lost the kid." Uh, that was really sad. The yeah. way like his voice quivers when he goes, "I lost the kid." You know, I was wondering because they they um they filmed both of these movies near the same time, and I was wondering if they really leaned heavily into Tony Stark's um, relationship with Spider Man, partially because of his of like you know Spider Man's I don't feel so good, Mister Stark, and how emotional that was. But I don't think that that could be the case, right? I don't think so because they shot it. Uh, they shot it like back to back to back. Yeah, so. Yeah. Maybe it just that's just how it was written, but um, it felt it felt like it felt perfect that right. the emotion that he was feeling for for um for Peter Parker. Yeah, uh, when Ant Man sees his daughter grown up. Yeah, that was that was right after the five year moment. So Thanos was they killed Thanos, and then it was five years later. Right, killing Thanos was pretty cool. Um, that was shocking. I was not expecting that. I was like, I wasn't either. So is he going to stab himself back somehow now? Right. Uh, so when Ant Man sees his daughter growing up, Fat Thor with his mom. Oh man. Um. Uh. Fr- uh Friga. Is it is that the mom's name? Friga or? Oh uh, gosh, I I can't remember his. I can't remember her name. I, I was rewatching I Thor I Ragnarok last night, and she's not in that. I think she dies. Yeah, in Thor she dies in Thor two, which I only ever saw once. I don't. I don't even remember that she. I don't even remember her dying. That's how good that movie was. That's how good that movie was. Yeah. Um. But anyways, Fat Thor with his mom, where he's like, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not cut out for this. I've messed up, and then you know, everyone expects me to be perfect. Yeah. His mom's like, No, you're good. You don't have to be perfect. Um. And also, is is similar to that point when he uh, he gets uh, Mjolnir right, the the hammer, because he's like, Holy shit, I'm I'm fat, but I'm so worthy. Yeah. Um, I, I also really just want to touch on that too. You were saying that the emotion that he was feeling with his mom. I didn't really think about this until just now, but there's the moment in in uh in the first movie, the first movie Infinity War, when he meets up with the Guardians of the Galaxy for the first time. Yep. And I think he's on the this ship with um with a uh, Rocket, Bradley Cooper's character, mm-hmm. and he's talking about like all the loss that he's been experiencing over the last like week. You know, yeah. losing losing the entirety of Asgard, um, like the the planet itself, and then 
shortly after seeing the destruction of most of its people at the hands of Thanos, the loss of his father, the loss of his mother. And so he's talking about all this loss and uh, Rocket's like, are you, are you all right, dude? He's like, oh yeah, you know, be fine. I'll, you know, we'll just kill Thanos and everything will be all right. And they failed to kill Thanos. And the, that's, that's the result of it. This depression, the failure to save everybody. That's what he was trying to do. And yeah, sure. Great. He killed, he killed Thanos, but the, uh, his inability to save everybody deeply affected him to the point that he became fat found himself in depression for five years yeah. and it wasn't until that conversation with his mom that he was able to you know kind of come back from that the it was interesting because of sort of no one saw anything regarding thor outside of him pulling uh his new like axe next to captain marvel in any of the trailers yeah so no one saw him being uh being fat fat the whole time i was just expecting him to like you know call upon the power of of of, uh of thor and yeah all of a sudden just be skinny again nope they uh they stuck with that the entire movie the whole movie the whole movie he's fat which is kind of cool right because he's always been he they've made uh thor much deeper uh, with each movie, yeah, and I like that. Since what you think, uh, maybe Avengers or even definitely Infin- uh, definitely Ragnarok. Yeah, I would say Ragnarok definitely. was like a big transition point for me when it came to yeah. Thor and seeing him almost as the leader of the entire team. He was obviously the most powerful or the strongest. But although in Ragnarok, when uh, uh, Hulk activates uh, the Quinjet, yeah, uh, the AI says, "Welcome, Thor." strongest avenger (laughs) um but uh so that was another emotionally resonant moment uh the other one was everyone coming back for the battle where uh you hear captain falcon say on your left and i remember hearing that and i go wait where the fuck is captain falcon and i was like oh i get it i actually didn't realize that i didn't realize where the on the left line came from i didn't i didn't it wasn't until um, after the movie and hearing people talk about it. And then I went back and saw the scene. Where is it like, from? It's the opening of um, uh, Winter Soldier? Captain America Winter Soldier. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Which I haven't seen for a bit now, but I have seen more than once. It's, and it's definitely it's, one of my f- more f- uh, favorite Marvel movies. Yeah, it's a really good one. And when Captain America, it's like the opening of the movie, he's just running around the um, uh, he's wa- he's running around D.C., and Captain Falcon is running too, but and I think the I think the scene's very focused on Captain Falcon on Papa Doc on Anthony Mackie. I always call I always call him Papa Doc. He's he's always Papa Doc in my eyes from mm-hmm. from Eight Mile for those who don't know. And so Anthony Mackie's running, and I think we're focusing on it from his point of view. And as he's running around, you know, he's jogging around the uh, the Washington Mall, and uh, Captain America is sprinting by constantly. And so as he's like progressing through this run. He's he's being passed by Captain America like five times, and at one point, and every single time he passes him, he's like he like he's like shouts, you know, on your left as he's approaching, and he passes him on his left, and the last time he passes him, Anthony Mack, he's like, don't you say it, don't you say it, and he's just like on your left, and he just sprints by, so yeah. that's where it came from. Gotcha. That was the first time they met. Um, so when he says that, and then everyone walking back. Uh, I like that you saw Black Panther first. Yep. That was cool. 
uh, Spider-Man showing up was really cool. Um, but uh, emotion, so like even the music there, like that's just one of those things where everyone was screaming uh, in my viewing. Um, and then Tony dying uh, was was really heartfelt just because he normally has things to say. And he didn't have any, he didn't say anything on his yeah. way out. Oh, that which I was, was really cool. That one was really tough for me, and that's the one where the kids were like the most obnoxious too behind me. They almost they they kind of snapped me out of the emotion that I was feeling. Oh, at that moment, like it was just the reverse of Spider Man in Infinity War, but it was probably worse. Um, that's fair for me, and it's and it it just it's it's even worse there because of the. Um, because of how much buildup we've gotten to this point. Yeah. Right? And then last but not least, sorry, Cap dancing with Peggy. Ah, uh, yeah. Which is sort of, you know, that 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 closes the loop on Captain America 1. Yep. Right? Yep. So, um, what's it called? So those are the emotionally resonant moments. And I think what a lot of these things uh, – show and a a really consistent theme here is action and consequence that actions that either people have taken or uh the narrative has driven these characters to do they all pay off in this movie there's basically not too many storylines that are left uh unresolved i mean there's like some questions especially with time travel that like we won't get into yeah yeah but that's not really the point here right um just this idea that something happens and then there is a resulting consequence. And I think we felt a lot of it sort of uh, a lot of it here. I think one other thing that I missed was Black Widow and Hawkeye fighting each yeah, other. Yeah, man. I to, was going to bring that up. To, to, to see who's going to sacrifice themselves, you know? And it looked like Hawkeye and was going to win it. Hawkeye was going to win it. Um, can you imagine if they both fell out over? That's a tough look, man. And then... Uh, Red Skull just looking there. Reskull comes back. Goes, I guess I'll take it. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's like, so can I? Can I get that Soulstone now? Can I? Can I? Can I go now? With this? <laughs> um, but uh, let's see. Um, but those two. Uh, yeah, those two. Uh, you got to add a moment for that as well. Yeah, 100%. um, uh, what's it called? So. What I liked about Marvel is, you know, the stakes have never been higher, uh, and mistakes uh, do have consequences, right? So, right. Uh, just seeing that, you know, when Iron Man and Captain America are arguing, saying, you know, you said when we lost, we'd do it together, and you weren't there. It's right. like, oh, yeah, that makes sense, because in Infinity War, they just bounce into space, and, like, yep. those two never share any screen time. Yeah. And, that, and the reason why they just bounced... And no one called each other was because previously in Age of Ultron and uh, in Civil War that they were still fighting. Right. Like they don't like each other. Yeah. The drift started in the, the drift definitely started in Age of Ultron and it completely got torn apart in in a uh, in uh, Civil War. Right. Which is more or less um, an Avengers movie. Just missing a few characters here and there. Right. And what was crazy is once you like sit back and think about it, like, oh, yeah, that does make sense. Right. You know? Um, and then the fact that even after all this, Captain America was, uh, uh, Iron Man trusted Captain America so much, right? Cause he goes, you, uh, like you're a fundamentally good 
right? He he, his character is fundamentally good to the point that he can wield Thor's hammer, yeah. which is like only if you are what true of self or whatever the right. the thing is. Yeah. Um. Oh, I just realized that this whole story right really starts in was it is it Iron Man or Captain America where Captain America goes to Iron Man that you're not the kind of guy that would ever jump on a grenade for his friends. <laughs> right was that a, was that a line i don't remember that one um it must that up. it might that be up. from the first it would be from the first avengers movie likely when they first meet it might be because after that like tony just keeps proving over and over again that he's willing to do that right in avengers one he takes a nuke goes off into space uh don't know what happens in avengers uh, in, in age of ultron i'm not gonna lie to you uh but then here <laughs> he he snaps it you know? Yeah. And there's technically two snaps, right? Because the Hulk snapped everyone back. Yes. Yes. And then he snaps them again. Yeah. Lane was a little confused about that. She was confused as to what happened during each, like, why did they need to snap again? Yeah. But that was just to get rid of uh, Thanos and everybody who didn't actually belong in this timeline. And so I guess that got rid of, um, what's her name? Uh, Gamora. I can't remember if we see Gamora after that second snap because she wasn't at Tony's funeral, but I feel like we did. That is a very good question. I like, am not sure. I can't remember when um, when Peter Quill sees her and he hugs her after she kind of said, yeah, that can't, that can't have been, that wasn't before this. That was definitely before the snap. I don't remember if we saw her after. I I don't think so, to be honest with you. Yeah. Anyways. Well, anyway, yeah. So all of this to say that, you know, something gets uh, started in an earlier movie and then uh, gets called back here, yeah. right? There were so many callbacks earlier things, even with the on your left, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, my God. Tony talking to his dad. Did I say that? Oh, no, you didn't. That was. Oh, my God. There's more than seven moments then. That was a great moment. That oh, John I was, Slattery is still an OG. Yeah, the whole time I was expecting, like, I was expecting Tony to get caught for this to go sideways, for something to go wrong, but it, right. it didn't. Like, you just got this beautiful moment between Tony and his dad, and I don't know if they've, like, they intentionally changed the way the audience also sees his dad. You know, when you first when you first think about uh, Iron Man's dad, I think you first hear about him in the first Iron Man movie. Which is, yeah. of course, the first of, of uh, the first movie in this entire um, guys timeline or or story of these Marvel um, mashups, and and then you you hear about him a lot in Iron Man two, of course, when um, you know he's he's still schooling him, if you will, when he creates the new element to help keep him alive, and in Iron in uh, Captain America one, which I believe was before Iron Man two. We actually meet his dad in the previous timeline, and you and you know, of course, you know he's a Stark. You're rooting for him, but he seems like a cool dude, and it seems like that tension that Tony Stark had, the the like feeling like he was never enough for his dad, a lot of times was because of the way he envisioned that relationship with his dad. And I think a lot about my relationship with my dad. There was you know a lot of times where I felt like, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. As I've gotten a lot older and you know become an adult, I start to see, okay, you know. Maybe it wasn't as bad as I thought, at you know, in that time or mm-hmm. at that time. You know, my dad's always wanted the best for me. Um, and sometimes it seemed like he was being a little bit hard on me, but it, but it was because he felt like I could do better than what I, what I was doing. 
and I can appreciate that now. Um, but as a teenager, similar to how Tony probably felt, he felt like he wasn't enough. And unfortunately for him, fucking Bucky killed his dad before he was able to experience that firsthand. Right. So it was really great to see that that um, that connection that he was able to communicate with his dad and and have that that bit of you know kind of closure after all these years of reflection um, was really nice. Absolutely. The, uh, the the crazy thing about Marvel as a concept is the anthology of stories that's taken 11 years to tell, right? It's like yeah. such a perfect culmination of things where I don't know if we'll ever see one of these things again. It's really in, hard to in, imagine, in, right? In this sort of manner where you have the ultimate gamble. I was read, I was watching this video on like the ultimate gamble of where Marvel was, where they basically had to bet money that they could make the movies themselves instead of licensing out movies to sony like, and fox yeah who were like just doing a terrible terrible job yeah with all this stuff fantastic like, four even, is the worst of them right but even this... though, like sam raimi's spider-man did really well yeah uh marvel only like i think sam raimi's uh three spider-man made three billion dollars or, 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 or like two or one billion it made a lot know. of money yeah but out of the billion dollars let's call it a billion dollars um if out of the billion dollars they only saw 62 million Wow, so they're like, no, we gotta, we gotta a bring it all in house. B, we can make it better, and then you have John Favreau arguing to pull RDJ in because no, like the casting director hated RDJ as a choice because he was just coming out of rehab. Yeah, right? that's how he they were able to get him for so cheap, right? Wasn't right, five hundred thousand dollars? Wasn't um, gosh, what's his name? The guy who played from and Hustle and Flow and Crash. Oh my god. The RIP. RIP the legend. Um <laughs> He's not dead. He's he's in he's in uh Well he 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 was dead in Marvel. He's dead in Marvel, yeah. They replaced him with Don Cheadle. He, he got cheatled. Um yeah, he's in he's in um with, I don't even remember what the What's TV his shows. Name? Um I'm just gonna look it up Howard? on IMDb right now. Howard yeah, something? Terrence Howard, thank you. Yeah. Boom. Got Terrence him. Howard. Um I knew, I, I knew from Empire. Before. Yeah. So he was I think the highest billed actor in Iron Man One. And I think that that um, clash of payment was the reason why they replaced him with Don Cheadle is because he wanted more money for Iron Man too. And I was like, "Well, you're not you're not Iron Man, dude. Like, what are you what are you talking about?" Exactly. So, um, so all yeah, all of this just to say that the emotional resonance of 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 like the the storyline delivering on promises uh, and cliffhangers throughout its eleven year run. Uh, felt very satisfying. Yeah. Uh, the movie pulls no punches in terms of uh, it demands a good amount of just uh knowledge of like the platform coming in, right? Uh, they they don't do a good they honestly I don't think they do a good job of like hey. This is what they meant when they said this. It's like no, there's like a there's like one liners thrown around. Yeah, I'm constantly. Fine with that. Well, yeah, because I really am. Uh, well, yeah, because you have watched all of it. Right? Yeah. I'm just imagining like if somebody were to come in, uh, and just watch it from the jump, it's like oh, this is probably not no. the best. 
not a not a good movie. Obviously, it's the end, right? But like, right. not a good movie to to just jump into. Now, yeah, I do want to. I do want to start to move over to Game of Thrones. Yeah, because in Game of Thrones, uh, it doesn't seem like the the same sort of story beats hit hit the same way where you know we we live in a world in westeros where actions do have consequences we've seen some gruesome consequences happen yeah. right yep uh ned start getting his head cut off uh we, we saw that one coming when they were first watching that show exactly and and, and, and they weren't book readers exactly uh, uh what's that dude uh who, uh who got his head crushed by the mountain uh Oberyn. The red Oberyn. Oberyn martell yeah did not see that one coming right because Oberyn, Oberyn wins that fight yeah but he he just he dances on him yeah literally Should've and then just... he gets his gets his head crushed right yeah red wedding right with rob stark you think you can play me yeah shit the I'm purple your entire John purple killed wedding. your entire family, right? <laughs> the purple so, wedding. What was the purple wedding? That's oh, Joffrey. Oh, Joffrey. Yeah. See, so many people are eating it the, hard in Westeros. Sept- the Sept of Baylor. There's so many, so many moments in that show. That's my favorite thing about Game of Thrones. That we're talk, we talk about Avengers and the the tr- the carrying that storyline across the years. Um, but I, the thing I love so much about Game of Thrones is that it's like, it's like. It's one. It's just one long story, and I think we're we're probably a bit spoiled at this point. I was listening to uh, to binge mode, one of my favorite Game of Thrones podcasts, and they were talking about how we've become spoiled as fans, where we're able to see this battle, and we can kind of just brush things off, like oh, we're seeing these dragons, we're seeing this army, and it's just kind of normal to us, right? But think about it to like season one, where um, the battle with uh i I can't i can't remember that i think it was the black the the battle of uh like the black woods or something like that when uh rob stark splits his army sends two thousand men to their death to their death and um and has them fight with um tywin's army and and Tyrion is there and Tyrion in in the show gets knocked out and misses the battle because they just didn't have the budget for that bat for that fight scene the books he's there for the fight he's you know he's out there fighting and slicing and dicing um but the TV show, you don't see it. And now when we're watching Game of Thrones, like, oh, they they talk about a battle. We're going to see the battle then. Um, yeah, it's the way they t- the way they tell the stories is and and, and it's like from season one to now. Even though there are certainly points that I'm like, I don't really like that, or I don't th- I don't like the way they've done it. Mm-hmm. I think it's been pretty amazing the way we've been able to see everything. So, all of that. Um, brings in a certain level of expectation, right? At the that, very least. At the very least, as a certain level of expectation that something big is about to happen. And that is reinforced by episodes one and two of the final season, where they follow the very classic trope of, um, like, last night on Earth, last night before the battle... A lot of these uh, characters are making up. A lot of these st- characters are reminiscing. Yep. And it's a commonly used narrative device that sort of uh, is used to give a glimpse of what's about to happen, a.k.a. their their demise, uh, their timely demise. Not untimely, but their timely demise. Yeah. 
and knowing that this world is uh, not shy about offing people. Yeah. That you figured, all right, this is this is gonna happen. Yeah. Um, and we talked about it, right? With the death, the death pool. The death like, pool. Who's who's gonna survive this? I battle? came in last. Did you? I thought you said you. I thought you said you got everybody. But did you have too many people dying? I had, you had too, too many people. You had too dying. many false positives there. Yeah. I see. Um. And so we just find out, right? Like during the uh, the 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 episode, right, where you see some. You see some bad, uh, bad leadership, right? Oh my god, the worst. That's the thing. This, this is. It's really easy for me to forgive some of the things that Endgame did. In fact, I don't even know if we even touched on any of those. But there are some just major mistakes that were made during uh, this battle, this battle Winterfell, that yeah. feel like that feel less realistic for the characters and more just we want we need to tell the story in a way that's. Um, that has a lot of uh, emotional turns for the viewers and also makes the the threat of Cersei um, seem insurmountable. And right. so right from the get-go, what 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 does John do? Sends the whole Dothraki just straight at the army of the dead. John right. know John knows how big that army is. What is this what is this attack going to do for you? Right. What is what is the point strategically to send your cavalry out, right? Yeah, by themselves. No support, by themselves. no backup. Also, nobody knew Melisandre was coming back. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't she didn't get murked on the on the ride up. Right? And uh, is the expectation that they were going to ride out without flaming swords, Reza? I guess so. You know what I mean? So you got that. They all get they all get iced immediately somehow somehow ghost and Jorah survive but yeah but basically has this as and i are, and i already felt cheated because Jorah should have died <laughs> George right, there. right there just Jorah, no more Jorah. that was it Jorah should have died right there uh-huh. and then why are the uh unsullied standing in front of the fire pit yeah right you gotta light yep. the fire pit early right yeah. you get the I dragons guess... to come in and light that light that shit early yeah i really don't i don't really have an explanation for it like they needed a. They, you would need a huge pit. You would need a bigger pit, because we already know the army of the dead is so big that this pit, that this fire pit that they started, was only like a foot wide. That right. you more or less just had to have one white lay across the entire thing, like the entire circumference of that pit, and bam, your fire's out. Yeah. The good so news you, though is the good news is in a moment like that, you just have the unsullied stand behind the fire pit. Yeah. And, and just, just poke at just just poke poke people yeah. that are coming through. Yeah. The dragon glass literally all it needs to do is just give them a paper cut and they're dead. Exactly. You don't need a, you don't need like a huge slash like a killing right. blow to the heart or anything like that. Nah, right. just just poke. And then you would just have the dragons just do uh just do gun runs, Black Hawk yeah. down oh, style. That's the, that's the best part. The whole right? the whole time I'm sitting there watching, I'm like, oh, this is just like an this is this is a fucking warthog just coming through. This is yeah, you know, I see your position. I got the target. We're inbound and hot. You know, they they said that 15 years ago. Um. So th- them all dying doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Uh, Sam surviving. Sam surviving. The crying. We saw crying Sam. on his back multiple we saw, times. We saw Sam dead like eight times, and somehow he he just came out fine. Yeah. Plot armor, real thick on that guy. <laughs> um. The fact that Grey Worm, Brienne, uh, Tormen, Jamie are like doing like these hero fights, right? 
where yeah. they're not f- they're fighting next to each other, but they've yeah. they've got like their own sort of line of uh, whites that are coming after them. And many yeah. times, many times, you see uh, them get overwhelmed. Right? There is a yeah. there's a very clear scene where Brienne and Jamie fall under the stream of, of bodies. Yeah, the, it, that didn't make sense. Like they're on the front lines. There's no there's no wiggle room. We saw the unsullied take the brunt of this wave of whites right. and and uh we're also supposed to see we do see uh gray worm on the front lines and from what it looks like it's super dark so it's incredibly hard to make anything out anyway but you see you see the the unsullied where gray worm again is at the front line and it seems like the front line is completely overwhelmed like from that first hit and then you flash over to the westerosi knights who are are observing what appeared to be Grey Worm's death, and they all of a sudden start to prepare for the whites that are going to come at them, but they don't have a shield or a wall of shields. They just start fighting, and somehow they're not being completely overwhelmed by this wave. They're, they actually have breathing room to be able to, you know, swing that sword left and right and, and take on whites. So that was a little uh, interesting. I just don't, I don't fully understand the decision to have them at the front lines. Well, if yes. it was to if it was to be exactly. if it was to be believable that all of all of your favorite characters or many of your favorite characters survive, it was a little surprising to have them at the front lines and then somehow having them survive as far as they did. Like they survived the retreats, they survived the fight on the uh, the battlements, they survived the fight in the in the within the castle walls. When it pe- it appears that the entirety of Danny's army and the north the army of the north are dead, and it's only it's only Jamie, Brienne, Sam, and a couple of the people who survived. It's like, wait, where's everybody else? Exactly. Is everybody dead? I'm sure not everyone's dead. I'm sure we're going to come back this week and find out like 10,000 people survived. A, a large number of Unsullied and, and Dothraki survived. But from what it looked like at the end of that episode, it seemed like everyone was dead except your favorite characters. You got about 20 people left. Yeah. Right. And so the sort of... They've been doing this a lot, right, in in Game of Thrones, where they they have they take these leaps, and I don't think they have certainly invested enough in some of these leaps for you to be like, yeah, I'm willing to I'm willing to go with you wherever right. you're taking me. Right. Right. Now it's like, wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we go, I I need to know what what you're trying to say. You know? Yeah. Um, and so the uh. That you got to couple with like Arya um, just sneaking through the Night King. Somebody said that yeah, because she uh, she is the many faced god or whatever that she actually not warg but she turned into someone like that. Um, she turned into a White Walker hmm. so that she could walk past. Um, just saying that there's no other way that that would have been able to work. Um, yeah, I mean, there were. I, I, don't, I don't know what the answer to that is. I'm not gonna lie to you. I just uh, don't think. Th- I just don't think there is one. Like, it doesn't make any sense that she was able to get through because they there were. It was a group of of White Walkers that were encircling Bran and, and the Night King. So, it's not like she really could have snuck by, other than the fact that she can move around completely silently. They would have seen her as she approached, but I yeah, I got nothing for that one. Yeah, I, I certainly have have nothing for that. Uh, I also didn't understand why she's the one that kills the Night King. Yeah. Um, because when, of 
Azor oh. Ahai, and like all of these uh, long-standing prophecies, uh, and stories prophecies and everything. that everyone has like regarded as like, no, this is we're all on the same page with this stuff, right? I'm like, yeah, no, we're good. Uh, yeah, and not not quite sure that that is uh, something that makes sense to us as of right now. Now, that being said, uh, very possible that. You know, the last three episodes, which have the total runtime of, like, I think it's the extended cut of Return of the King. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of time to, to talk about stuff. Yeah. I um, think we're getting, like, four hours of show left, despite the fact that there are just three episodes. So. Yeah. So, if that is the case, there is a shot at uh, at something happening. Uh Yeah. I, I find myself wanting to reserve my judgment of some of these episodes until after the entire series is finished because I feel like I feel like the showrunners are obviously aware of the fact of how much speculation occurs between episodes and how much fans love to to theorize about various things. I think that they unfortunately for them they have a there's a vast resource of knowledge that's available from the books and you know and George R R Martin himself with that that have given people ammo to create these theories and i'm it's it's really difficult to separate the two mediums because you hear so many different theories about oh this is what's going on in winterfell and this is this theory and stuff and it's like wait was this actually from the tv show or is this from a book or is this from like one of the random books that you know not even the main series of the books but something different um i think it becomes difficult to separate those and it's very it's it's got to be impossible for the showrunners to be able to create a story that's going to satisfy everybody especially when it comes to these types of prophecies like what well, are they are they beholden to this prophecy that while we hear melisandre talk a lot about prophecies in the show i'm not sure how well regarded people actually believe those to to be you know fact or true and you'll hear a lot of people say about the show right now that prophecies are are hardly ever 100 percent accurate you constantly find people like Melisandre believing a prophecy or believing some type of story and think they know the answer, and it turns out they're wrong. And that could very well be the case here. But whether the show decides to even investigate and examine why that's the case, I just don't know if we'll see. Like, I don't know if they're going to say why Arya was the one who killed the Night King and it wasn't Jon. Um, I feel like it should have been Jon, you know? But... I, and, I, and I also feel like in the books, I think in the books, it's going to be very different. You know, if, if, if we ever get to this point in the books, I don't think it's going to be Arya. The, the showrunners in the in the uh, the after the episodes, they said that they've known that um, Arya was going to be the one, I think, for three years now. Yeah. And I've been watching I've been watching the show with Lena. We've actually been picking up the pace and we are we are just leading into the next episode, which is Reigns of Castamere, the Red Wedding. So that's our next episode. Um. But just like two episodes oh ago, <laughs> just like two episodes prior was the episode where she met Melisandre and Melisandre says, oh, we'll meet again. You're going to shut this, all these eyes, right? Right. And I think the order of the color is like brown eyes, blue eyes, and green eyes. Whereas in this, in, in uh, the most recent episode, in, in uh, The Long Night, she says, I think brown eyes, green eyes, and then the hesitation and blue eyes. Um, I th- but at that point, that was like five or six years ago. So at that point, they actually didn't know that Arya was going to be the one to do it. And Agreed. and I think part of the reason why they said they want, they, they just felt like it's too much John, I think. 
and so they want it to be a surprise. And so when I was listening to that that podcast binge mode, they were saying that they don't they're they they worry that they made the decision because it wasn't not because it was the proper storytelling decision, but because they just wanted to surprise people. And that's not a great look if that's what you wanted to do. Like if you if you want to hold these prophecies to be true, then you know, you can't just do that switch because then you can't really explain it. Oh, maybe, maybe. Um, I think a lot of the viewers were very surprised at how many people were left standing at the end. Yeah. And I think... Grey Worm should have died. Absolutely. Well, amongst almost everybody amongst else. Great. You, uh, can't talk, you can't talk about, you know, retiring on beaches with Missande. You know, just chilling, sipping pina coladas and whatnot, and then survive the next episode. No, that was that right. was grounds for his removal. Right, that was it. Uh, so the uh, I think the reason why both of these pieces of content can be compared pretty much one to one, and yet uh, the reactions are pretty far from each other right now, is uh. It's just due to the fact that the logical consequence of things uh, didn't occur. Now, granted, we're talking about high fantasy and we're talking about superhero movies. Yeah. Um, but the narr- the narrative devices that are used throughout both of them are just... There was a level of inconsistency, I think, which, which certainly help, uh, hurts one and the use of consistency in the other helps that much more right so um yeah i think uh you know quick high level views like you know endgame endgame easily became one of my favorite movies of all time uh i think it's unfair though because it stands on the shoulders of so many other movies right fine i'm fine with that you're fine with that yeah Um, yeah i really am but uh and uh i'm just getting more and more uh let's just say I'm like just waiting. I'm waiting to see where uh where this all goes in in Game of Thrones. I'm 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 cautiously optimistic, but very cautiously so. Yeah, very cautiously. Um I still will say like we, we point out like issues that we had with this episode, but I still loved this episode. When I when I saw it for the first time, and I actually think I might try to watch it again before the episode tonight. But I love the episode. Um, yeah, there were, there were a lot of like battle decisions that were questionable. But I just feel like the show. I feel like the show has been running to these issues for the last three seasons now, including season eight, where they've run out of book material. And like they still have done some great things, like the uh, the season finale of season six. Like that's all that's that's new for the show. That's not in the books yet. And so, um, I just feel like they've run into issues that you constantly see in other TV shows, like the whole Arya, Sansa might want to murder each other, might not want to murder each other arc in season seven. Like that was just dumb. The, the, the journey beyond the wall to get a white, to prove to Cersei that they're real. Like that was a stupid plan. And I just don't think that they would have done these things in the books. I don't, or if they had source material to, to work with, I don't think that I'm not sure that that's how George would have done them. And so, that's what I have. I guess that's what I have issues with. It's. It seems like decisions are made for the sake of entertainment rather than the sake of what these characters would truly do. Yep. 
It's like to to keep you on your toes to keep, to 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 increase suspense. So yep. I don't know. I don't I don't know how I feel about Cersei being the the final big boss either. Um. Yeah. People are like, well, it's the Game of Thrones, and she uh, because she can speak. Uh, that there is just a much more uh, human level of evil that it will be interesting for other players to play off of, right? Yeah. Because the Night King is a boogeyman. So yeah, whatever is. whatever you think he is, he is, right? He's a catch-all for all bad things. Uh, but Cersei has some humanity in her that she might have lost along the way, but because she is a human right that she'll be able to understand and how to play off of right the other people's emotions in a way that might not require her to utilize the largest army to to kill people you know yeah she might be able yeah. to just talk her way out of shit yeah i mean i think that's i think by having cersei be the final you know the, the final boss of this show it allows that valencar the the prophecy where where jamie is the one who kills her that i i i if that prophecy i guess were to come true then it's because she's the final character to be killed. And I think that, you know, what I was saying about how I thought that was going to transition with Brienne potentially dying in this in this previous episode, I think it's a little easier now for it to happen where Brienne is, is killed or maybe severely injured in a way that is a lot more directly. Um, it, it's a lot easier for Jamie to directly blame uh, Cersei than it would be had it happened in this in this most recent episode but uh i just i think part of the problem with with the night king in general was that bran was such a like he was the only person in the show who could properly explain the the night king's motivation what he wanted um just anything about him and bran was just this like little weird dude like speaking in monotone you're a good man theon like that was that was about as human as, as Bran got in the last right. two seasons. Right. Uh, like what what was he doing the whole battle? Well, he was watching Avengers Endgame. That's what they keep saying, right? <laughs> um, it was a the, long night. He had three hours to kill. He had three hours to kill. Uh, the somebody said that he's actually the three eyed Raven. Right. There's a thought and a chance that he's actually the three eyed Raven. Uh, Night King is the enemy. So the fact that he got the enemy killed is great because now he gets to do what he wants to do uh somebody else said that he's actually the night king now uh mm. when he got imprinted that that's who he was and then so by getting rid of this like he himself is sort of like safe from everyone trying to kill him uh i don't you know i don't i don't, I don't know i don't know about all this yeah there's so many theories at this point when it comes to the night king i'm just like there's no way like unless the unless the show closes with like a, a close-up of bran and and just like this little a horror movie type ending where it's like oh your character this character who you thought was good the whole time turns out they're really the bad guy mm-hmm. um unless that is how the show ends i just cannot see the show doing that there's there's just not enough time anymore only three episodes left we got to focus on cersei at this point right and, uh, and and from what we've seen about this upcoming episode it's more like okay rallying the troops with with uh in the north i guess i shouldn't put too much stock into that because so many theories were, were were created over this episode two, thinking, oh, it's gonna be a big issue for Jamie. He's on trial. The whole episode's gonna be him on trial and blah blah blah. It's like, oh, that's resolved in the first like forty five seconds. So I don't wanna put too much stock into that, but I just don't know how much more closure they're even gonna to try to give 
with regards to the Night King because we just don't have time for that. There's no there's no time for like a new enemy of Bran or or whatever you want to call it. Maybe he gives us some type of little explanation, like t- talking about what he was doing during the battle. But I I also feel like based on what they've been doing to us recently, it's just not even going to happen like that. Yeah, like that's just isn't. that. It probably isn't. You know, there's there's no reason to assume that that will happen because yeah. of the way that things have been set up. Yeah. All right. I, I just feel like I wanted to get that off my chest. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm happy we saw it. Uh, and I want to see it again, but I, I won't see it again. It's, it's way too much time. It's three hours, man. Yeah. Yeah, I should have just seen it in IMAX the first, for the first go around. These movies are best enjoyed in IMAX. Like, I really should just realize that if it's a big action movie, IMAX is probably the way to go now. Is the IMAX by you an AMC? Yes. And does A-List or A whatever their club work for IMAX movies? Oh, I couldn't tell you. Oh, okay. I, I mean, no I know idea. you weren't using enough movies anyway with MoviePass, so I guess it wouldn't be worth it. Mm-hmm. It's 20 bucks a month. But if yeah. I had, like, I feel like I at least would have. I don't have an IMAX anywhere near me. It, it's it's way too inconvenient for me to, to make it to an IMAX. So um, I ha- I think the last movie that I saw in IMAX was like, what the Spectre movie when we were in New York City like three three four years oh, ago? Oh, wow! I think, it was, I think it was Spectre that we saw, and I think that was the last time I saw an IMAX movie. So that might be it. Yeah. All right. Well, um, should we get out of here? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. I'm Reza. I'm Sandy. Thanks so much for listening. See you guys next week. <laughs>